Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. It's our second installment of our Outstanding Women in Hockey podcast series, and we bring on Canadian hockey royalty, Jaina Hefford. And might take me a while to get through her achievements and accomplishments on this intro, but we are so excited to bring Jaina on. She grew up in the great city of Kingston, Ontario, uh, went to college at the University of Toronto, and she represented Hockey Canada in five Olympics and won four straight gold medals. Not a big deal. Uh, So she has a very decorated international hockey career. She also has a very decorated professional hockey career where she scored 439 goals in 418 women's professional games. That's that's pretty good. (laughs) So incredible, incredible goal scorer and player. She actually uh, retired as the all time leading scorer for goals and for points in the CWHL. Uh, She also was inducted into the hockey hall of fame in 2018. She was awarded the order of hockey in Canada in 2019, but on top of her incredible accomplishments as a hockey player, incredible person as well. uh, She visited the troops in Afghanistan, as a part of Hockey Canada in 2012. Uh, She won the Queen Elizabeth Diamond Jubilee Award for Community Service. She now is a big-time consultant for the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, PWHPA, that is sponsoring this Outstanding Women in Hockey series. So that was a lot to get out, but what a resume, what an what an amazing, amazing person to have here on the podcast with us. But before we do get over to Jaina, let's get to another amazing person in Jeff Lavecchio, the talent. Jeff, what's going on today? I'd say the biggest talent on this call right now is your hairstyle. I think the greatest <laughs> thing to come out of COVID is that you got a sick haircut now. So <laughs> props to your wife or yourself or the YouTube guy who taught you how to cut your own hair. But you're looking good, bro. So my wife actually was making fun of me for my haircut today. So I will make sure that she listens to this podcast and, uh, and gives, gives me some props. I actually did this myself. If you can believe that just Dude. took a couple of clippers and zip, zip both on both sides. And here we go. Dude, keep it going. You look like a grown up now. Let's, let's keep that going, man. <laughs> Grown, not by height, just by just by appearance in, in yeah. the computer screen. But uh, yeah, but you got you got all done up to do the intro for this podcast because Jane is such a big guest. I like it. Respect. <laughs> yeah, this was an awesome conversation. I mean, legitimately, I was thinking about it because I was mentioning on the podcast a couple weeks ago that we had with Leon. That was the first time I've been really kind of nervous for a podcast and to having a guest on. And so, Jana, this is the third time that I think I've been actually really nervous for for a podcast just because of how amazing she is. The first one was Marty St. Louis. So he's like my hockey hero. So I was like kind of like a kid in a candy store. And then, uh, you know, tackling what we tackled with Leon in what the world is today and racism in hockey and stuff a few weeks ago. I was nervous for that one. And then this one too. I mean, she's such an amazing individual, um, amazing hockey player. It's just so much fun to be able to talk to her, uh, get into her journey, uh, things that she believes in from how she became a, a really great player, uh, her background, and then getting into women's hockey and what the amazing things that the PWHPA are doing right now uh, to further the growth of, of women's hockey. 
Mikey. It's uh, this was a fantastic podcast. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I mean, you you don't win all those accolades and and accomplish all those things in your career by not having like deep character and you could just hear that coming from her and the things that she said and the way she said things. And, um, this is a really good episode. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of this one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And again, it, it furthers, um, you know, our mission and our goal with what we're doing with outstanding women in hockey podcast and our series and, and everything that we're doing with the hockey think tank right now. I mean, the women's hockey game is awesome. And we said it when we talked to Nick last uh, in our last episode, but I really feel like when people are introduced to the game, they fall in love with it. I think that's true for hockey specifically because it is such a fast, fun sport to see in person. But then when people see it in person from a women's perspective, they realize how amazing and how talented they are. And even look at you know the All-Star game uh, a couple of years ago where Kendall just absolutely killed it in uh, – in the fastest skater competition this year, the three on three game that they had in St. Louis at the all-star game and, and involving the women in, in the skills competition and how great they did in that as well. I mean, uh, you know, these women are great ambassadors for the sport, not just by the way that they play, but also in standing up for what they believe in trying to do what's right for the next generation of girls coming up. And, uh, and Jaina is, I mean, she's an incredible ambassador for the game. And, and like we've been talking about the accolades and, and all that kind of stuff from a hockey playing standpoint is one thing, but you look at the things that she's done behind the scenes to really try and elevate and promote and, and celebrate the women's game. I mean, that that's something that's truly special as well. Yeah. And I, I can't remember if I said it on this episode of the podcast or one of the other ones that we have coming out for this, this women's uh, women's spotlight that we're doing here, but like we both are very into hockey. We both live hockey. We've lived it our whole lives. And uh, I still remember that first Olympic games for the women i remember where i was watching it in homeroom in sixth grade uh at LaSalle middle school what's up LaSalle? Uh, <laughs> but uh like the school's listening to this podcast um and I, I had no idea how good women were until i skated with nicole hensley when i was still playing my last few years skated with her a couple times we needed a goalie and she was out there and i i was like holy this this woman is unbelievable. And then we skated with gags and Kendall at that, uh, charity game with a bunch of NHL players last summer that you put on. And I was it like, even opened my eyes even more. And then last year I went to the NWHL all-star game in Nashville. I'm like it, the, the women's game. It's not that old. Like hockey's obviously old, but women's hockey has a little bit different rules and things like that. And it has progressed so much over the last 10, 15 years. It's actually insane how much it's progressed. So for anyone listening to this who hasn't gone and watched a professional women's hockey game or a D1 women's hockey game, I absolutely urge you to because they are just as skilled as the men. Like it's a little bit different game. Like there's not hitting, but like, my God, like they are so good. It's actually crazy. I couldn't (laughs) believe it. And I was played professionally for 10 years. You know, I was ignorant to how good they were. I knew they were good. I didn't know they were that good. It is actually amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the cool things about, um, you know, shining a spotlight on women's hockey is, and we've talked about it probably with every woman that we've spoken to for this series. I mean, such an important part of like, trying to achieve your dreams is seeing somebody that's like you that has already done the job. And so like for all the girls that are coming up right now, 
um, being able to listen to someone like Jaina, who has accomplished so many incredible things from an international level, which is kind of like where the women's peak is now. They're fighting to hopefully get a sustainable professional league. And we talk about that on this podcast too. Um, but like the fact that these women are, are willing and able to continue to promote the game and continue to elevate the game at the levels that they are just fighting for equality, fighting for what they believe in and all that kind of stuff. It's just going to continue to uh, inspire the next generation and the next generation, and the next generation. And, and we've talked about it so many times already, but I still think it's, it's amazing that what these women in the PWHPA are doing right now, sacrificing their own careers, sacrificing financially, um, for the betterment of the next generation and Jaina kind of leading the charge with who she is and what she's been able to accomplish and, and her, you know, her, her stance in, in the game. I mean, it's just, it really is. It's really inspiring as somebody that has two daughters, like it's just, they're making the world a better place. Should my daughters aspire to play at the highest levels of hockey someday. So like just so much to thank for, for all of these women, especially the high profile ones like Jaina, um, to, to be able to continue to do what they do. It's just, uh, it's just a really cool thing as a hashtag girl, dad, <laughs> You're such a nerd <laughs> and, and just like, obviously so cool for her to come on the podcast and tell her story like such a I mean she's like the one of the Wayne Gretzky's Mario Lemieux of women's hockey she came on our podcast to tell her story and promote the women's game and, and everything that we're trying to do for that as well so very cool of her to to do that for us yep absolutely so we should uh we should get over to her as soon as possible people are like all right we're done listening to you two let's let's get over to the actual talent here <laughs> so um but before i again like i said uh this outstanding women in hockey series is sponsored by the pwhpa um such an amazing organization fighting for equality and and uh hopefully we'll will elevate and continue to um inspire the the next generation as we talked about and create a sustainable professional women's league um you know, in the future. And, and I know they're working hard at that right now. I uh, also want to thank gel sticks, our title sponsor for the podcast for continuing to support what we do. Um, gel sticks, G E L S T X.com head on over. If you want some great training aids, some training sticks to, uh, be able to, um, to, to be able to train in your basement on the ice and the driveway, whatever it may be. We also want to thank train heroic, uh, the, application that i've been releasing all my programs on for everybody with the uh with the corona and all this going on i actually just released phase four of the off-season 2020 corona programs where you can use them in the gym or at home whether you i know i have a lot of people that are using this all over the world i think in 15 countries now and in a lot of those countries gyms aren't open yet um, a lot of people in Canada, gyms aren't open yet and, and they're using them. So, uh, I just wanted to come up with these things where you can use them from home and still get better. You know, uh, I believe in not making excuses and find a way to do whatever you want to get done because somebody out there will. And, uh, this is one of those ways you can do it. So a big thank you to train heroic for sponsoring our podcast and helping me out, uh, be able to disseminate all these training programs for everybody who's using them right now. And, very thankful for them and jail sticks. We got good people behind us, man. You must be thankful for big words after that little spiel right there. Application disseminates. You're, you're on a roll. <laughs> Rerudo. He's a baseball <laughs> player. You don't get that 
<laughs> you guys don't know who we are then. All right, listeners, you should uh, get that. I love it. I love it. But uh, last but not least, you know, we, we want to make sure every uh, every introduction at the end, we thank the most important people. And that's, that's all of you who continue to listen and to support our podcast, um, and, and helping us to, to really spread some positivity about the hockey world. And, uh, if you can continue to share us, I think this is going to be a big episode, uh, with Jana coming on, especially up in Canada. So if there are people, uh, that really enjoy this podcast and want to go back and listen to a few more that we've done in the past, uh, and want to share that with your teams or your parent groups or your friends or share us on social media. Uh, again, we're all about making the game of hockey better from the youth level all the way up to the professional level. And uh, uh, we're able to do that because of the fantastic guests that we bring on to here, like Jana Hefford, uh, like Nicole Hensley, who we had last week. Uh, next week, we're going to have Maura Kroll, who is the head coach of the University of Minnesota Duluth. She also coaches for Team USA uh, with the U18s. We have Teresa Feaster coming on next week, who uh, was named to the men's world junior staff as a video coach. Uh, so just fantastic women coming on. And, uh, if you can continue to help us spread these kinds of messages of positivity and inspiration for the hockey world, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, so without further ado, what do you think, Jeff? Let's head it on over to Jana Heffert. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast from the great city of Toronto, we have Jana Heffer. Jana, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. It's an honor to have you on the podcast here for Outstanding Women in Hockey Week. And um, we're really excited to, to dive into your journey here. And, and uh, it all started, uh, I have to say, your hometown of Kingston, Ontario was one of the first cities I ever, ever knew in Canada because we always used to go up and uh, when I was a kid growing up in Chicago when we play in the tournaments in Toronto we'd always come up and get the Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em videos and all you can talk about <laughs> was Kingston Ontario from there so very familiar yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a great a great hockey town uh, lots of lineage there to some really great players and the you know the Kirk Mullers and Doug Gilmore and of course Don Cherry and um, even beyond him and uh, you know I think many claim to be the first place hockey was played in Canada. I know it's disputed, but, uh, Kingston's definitely a hockey town. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about growing up in Kingston. Uh, you know, who were some of your influences growing up and, uh, you know, did you have some family members that were involved in hockey and, and how'd you fall in love with the great sport up there? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, sort of a passion that, you know, I feel like it was pretty innate. My parents were both you know, pretty involved in, um, you know, Hockey Night in Canada in our house on Saturday nights was what we did. I have an older brother who played hockey and my dad played hockey, you know, well into retirement years. And uh, both my parents ended up coaching myself and my brother all the way up, uh, you know, stereotypical. We had the, the rink in the backyard. And so for as long as I can remember, um, all I wanted to do was play the game. And, you know, I think being a little sister, you follow your brother around and try to do what he's doing. But um, yeah, I just always had a passion for the game. And uh, fortunate that Kingston was a city that again was a hockey city, but, uh, I felt a lot of support growing up there as a, a girl and one of the few girls that were, you know, playing with the boys at the time. And, um, throughout my, my career there, really my minor hockey career, I, I felt that, um, you know, I was just supported so well from, from men in the community, from the organizations. I did play boys hockey in the beginning and switched to girls and, 
as I got older, I ended up, you know, being able to skate with some of the pros from Kingston and, and, you know, they didn't think twice about it. They just welcomed me in and, you know, it's a tight knit community and certainly a tight knit hockey community there. Yeah. And how much do you feel like, you know, just having that supportive environment from, um, you know, not only your family, but just kind of the surrounding communities helped you and allowed you to get to where you ended up getting to, because I feel like, you know, we've, we've had the chance to speak to a couple other women so far and, and some of them didn't necessarily have that kind of open community where people were very receptive. Um, but for you, did Mm -hmm. you feel like that was a huge piece to, uh, to you getting to where you got to? I I think it was. Yeah. And I mean, I certainly, you know, I was probably insulated by my family and those closest to me to um, really encourage me to follow that passion. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, at the time it wasn't the most normal thing for a young girl to be playing hockey or, you know, you hear the young girl taking a boy's spot on a team. And so there, you know, I, I don't mean to say there wasn't any of that, but certainly the people around me encouraged me to follow my passion um, never allowed me to feel like I was doing something I shouldn't or something that wasn't normal. And I think that's the key thing. Um, they let me, you know, dream and, and they supported that and they saw the passion I had. And, um, you know, as a parent, I think that's, that's all you can hope for, for your kids is that they find something really passionate that they're passionate about and something that they're willing to work for. And I certainly had that with my, my support system. Well, it's really interesting to me, like talking about that and you playing with boys growing up because we had Nicole Hensley on this podcast during this women's week uh, Mm -hmm. as well. And she works for me as a strength coach and I train her and she's an Olympic gold medalist. And, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, she's played with boys growing up and, and she, she's on the podcast was talking about the difference between uh, girls practices and boys practices and how like a lot of times she's seeing in, in St. Louis right now, maybe the youth, youth girl coaches, they don't push the girls the same way. Like they kind of baby them a little bit. So do you think maybe some of your success came because you were practicing with boys and for whatever reason, the coaches think they can push boys harder? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there is some truth to that for sure. I played my first three years with boys and I did switch over to girls hockey by the time I was 10. But, um, you know, I, I also like to think that there's, you know, sort of an inner drive and, and people that get to the highest level, you know, someone like her or like myself, you have to be self-motivated. And, um, so even if that is the case and, you know, I remember throughout my career, you know, you have good coaches, you have bad coaches, but, you know, I always remember feeling like you gotta, you gotta get something out of, every practice you may not like the practice you may not like the coach but what are you doing to get better and so I think that inner drive is is really key and I think for the most part most female athletes that get to an elite level they have to have that because that's the only way you know they get to that level um but I do think that um you know having a son and having daughters um I think sometimes they do get treated differently be it from coaches or you know even probably teachers and and that's not always a bad thing Um, but certainly I think you got to find a way to get the best out of people and, and it may be different from girls and boys, but, um, you know, I, I think finding a way to, to really push people to get better, to challenge themselves, that's key. And I think finding what works for people is key. Yeah, totally. And, and where do you think you got your inner drive from? Because Jeff and I talk about that all the time, just that internal motivation, how important it is. And we're, we're totally in agreement with that. And like, I look at my career, I was a small hockey player and, and I kind of got my internal drive from just kind of 
like having a chip on my shoulder from people always doubting me. And Jeff kind of similar, mm-hmm. like grew up kind of a late bloomer. That's kind of how he got his internal drive. Uh, mm-hmm. You've you've been to the mountaintop and you've done some amazing, amazing things in this sport. And uh, so where do you think you got your inner drive from? Was it something uh, that was instilled in you from your family? Was it just a passion of hockey, something that happened to you as you're in your journey? What Where do you think you got yours from? Well, I, I think there's certainly an element of the passion to it. I mean, I, I, the only reason I played as long as I did, because the reality is in the women's game, you don't make a career out of playing. Um, so the only reason I, I played until I was you know, 37 years old and um, with the national team for 17 years was because I, I really loved the game. I loved playing the game. I loved pushing myself, challenging myself. But I think, you know, back to the point of being a, one of the only girls playing against boys. I mean, from a very young age, I, I had that inside of me that, you know, I wanted to be as good as them or I wanted to be better than them. And, um, so, you know, I have to think that that was ingrained a little bit in me because that was something that, you know, I lived every day. I wanted to play in the NHL. I wanted to be better than all the boys or better than anyone I played with when I was that age, you know? So I, you know, I, I think that that started early. And I think when you combine those two things, if you have an inner drive and you have a passion, then that's a pretty powerful thing. That's very cool. Some, something that Toph and I like to ask, especially our like really, really elite guests, which obviously you're one of the most elite we've had on the podcast. Uh, like what kind of things were your parents saying to you in the car ride after games? Were they the kind that were like, all over you and dissecting your game or was it kind of, you know, Hey, did you have fun? Okay. Like, wh- how are they treating you in the car? Right. Cause I think those things are very important at those young ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, my, my parents were incredibly supportive and uh, they would always, you know, pretty much regardless of how I played, they'd, they'd be like, great game. And, you know, did you have fun? And that kind of stuff. And it was never negative. It was never teaching, um, you know, I'd say, especially my dad, I, I think he had the same passion for the game I did. So he just loved watching. He loved being around the rink and watching my brother and myself. And, um, you know, he would talk about things that happened in the game, but never, never criticizing me or, or talking about things I should do differently or better. It was, it was complete hundred percent positive support throughout my career. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Jeff and I are same, same way. And we are such big advocates of that. Just like the car ride home is one of the most important things for any kid in their development. doesn't really, I mean, practice and all that kind of stuff is really important, but once they get in the car ride home, that's, uh, that's even as important as that. So, um, that's mm-hmm. really cool. And, uh, so one of the things I wanted to ask you, Jane, as you kind of go through your journey and, and before you got to, um, play on all a hundred million of the national teams that you were able to play on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what most people, we have a really big following here in the U S and what most people don't understand is how good the college hockey is for women up in Canada, um, playing Canadian mm-hmm. university. And you got the chance to play at university of Toronto, which is number one, not only a great hockey university, but a great academic academic university as well. Mm-hmm. So if you can just talk, talk to us a little bit about your experiences at, uh, at U of T and, uh, you got to accomplish yeah. some really cool things and playing some pretty big games there as well. So how was that? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a great experience for me and, um, things were, you know, the landscape of the women's college game were a little bit different. Um, I entered into university in 1996 and at that time there was a few Canadian players that were going, south of the border to play NCAA hockey, but um, there was many that were staying in Canada and um, there weren't as many scholarships at that time. And, um, you know, financially the, the dollar value was much different at that time. So there's a lot of factors that went into it, but 
I ended up staying in, in Canada and going to Toronto. And at that time, they had um, three members of Team Canada, uh, current members that were playing in university uh, at U of T at the time. So, you know, at 19 years old, I was able to come into a university program and play alongside some of the top players in the game. And that was, that was a really uh, amazing experience for me and a really helpful experience for me to, to kind of see, you know, the highest level, right. You know, every day in front of me yeah. and practicing with those players and having a coach that was also in the national program. Um, and, you know, the other thing for me was really, you know, understanding that as much as I love the game, it wasn't going to be a career for me. And, and I wanted to make sure I had a really great education. So I felt like I could blend those two things by having, you know, a really great hockey program with some of the best players in the country every day um, with a really great academic uh, school that I could come away with a, you know, a degree from that I could be really proud of and be really useful. So um, I only played on the U of T team uh, for my first year, um, but it was a great experience. And then the, the following year was an Olympic year. So I was, uh, I took a year off from school then, but by the time I came back, I sort of had to choose between uh, club or professional level hockey or university. So by the time I was already a part of the national program. And so I chose to play the club side uh, because that's where all the top players were playing. And, and again, I, I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to, you know, make sure I was playing with the best uh, as much as I could, but um, I would, I wouldn't uh, change my decision to go to the university of Toronto and, and get the education I did. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it is a great education for sure. And, and you mentioned playing for the national team and, and you got the chance to, to represent uh, Team Canada. You won four gold medals. But one of the things I wanted to ask you was like, so your first Olympics was in 98 and when the U.S. was, uh, they ended up winning the gold medal over you guys. And, and then you guys mm -hmm. took them for four straight after that. So, yeah. but, uh, you know, you look at a lot of these sports teams in, in any sport, we just get, got done watching the last dance with the Chicago bulls. And, you know, they kind of had mm -hmm. to go through some, some tough times and, and some learning before they became at the top of the mountain. And so what was mm -hmm. that experience like in 98 and how much did that fuel you guys to, to really kind of like up your game and, and it obviously winning four gold medals after that is an incredible, incredible feat. But what was that experience mm -hmm. like and what did you learn from it? Yeah. 1998 was an interesting year because it was uh, the first time women's hockey was in the Olympics. So, yeah. you know, it really didn't matter if you were, you know, I was 19 at the time, I think, um, or 20 at the time uh, training for the Olympics. And we had a 40 year old on our team training for the Olympics. But at that point, there was no longer really veterans and rookies because the Olympic games is, it's, it's a whole other thing. And this was the first chance that we had to train as full-time athletes. So to be together for seven, eight months leading up to an Olympic Games, So it was something we were all, you know, learning what to expect together. So that made it interesting, I think. And um, we had never, in terms of Canada, had never lost an international competition prior to 98. So you know, we had won the 90s, 92, 94, 97 world championships. So we were heavily favored to win the gold medal. But as uh, anyone in the hockey, women's hockey world knew, Canada and the U.S., you know, were as tight then as they are now in terms yeah. of level of um, parity. So uh, we were heavy favorites, but I think we played each other 14 times prior to the gold medal game, which is 7-7. <laughs> seven, seven. So you can't get teams closer than that. Um but yeah, you know, coming home with a silver medal and, and unfortunately hockey is one of those sports where you, you lose a gold medal, you never win a silver medal. So <laughs> it was, it was devastating. It was, um, it was certainly one of the, 
most difficult times in my career. You know, you, you kind of question everything you put into it and, and did you do it well enough and, and did you do it right? And would you have done things differently? And, you know, you feel like you've disappointed people and let people down. And, but with time, you find some perspective around it. And I think, um, you know, I really wouldn't have questioned any of the way we prepared. We, we ended up losing one game, but it didn't define, you know, everything we put in to get there. But the one thing I'll say is I think it certainly fueled us moving forward. And, you know, you don't forget how that felt. And, um, you know, from that point on, uh, we won the next three world championships and, and then on to the, the next Olympic Games. So um, it was it was definitely a learning experience. Um, and just I think one of the other things I really learned was the importance of, you know, enjoying the journey and the, the being present from day to day because it was very easy to just, keep looking ahead because there was so much excitement around the first Olympic games. And, um, I kind of took for granted those opportunities to, to train together every day and to travel the world. And, um, because you just can't wait to get to the Olympic games. So that was one thing I really took away as well was that idea that, you know, throughout the rest of my career, I wanted to make sure I was present. I was making the most of every day, um, that I had with the, with the national program. Yeah, that's something that we talk about all the time. And I just think like it's such an important thing being able to be in the present moment, but it's so effing hard to do that all the yeah. time. And, you know, from from your time kind of in your first year of the Olympics to, to where you are now, like that's something that I'm trying to learn how to do every day and something we're trying to talk about with our kids and stuff like Mm-hmm. what's been a little bit of a key for you to try and stay in the present in terms of, you know, being able to focus on the task at hand and join where you're at and not mm-hmm. so much worrying about past and future type stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, that's something that I've thought a lot about over, you know, the last number of years. And, and I come back to, you know, experiences in hockey where I can really say, Hey, that was key to this. Um, you know, in 2002, when we, we ended up winning the gold medal game, you may recall the officiating was, was pretty one-sided. And, um, I think, uh, you know, our ability to just focus on, you know, the 30 seconds in front of us was key because we had eight penalties in a row in a gold medal game. And, um, as you guys know, being hockey players, it's like, usually somebody gets frustrated and then ends up with two people being frustrated (laughs) and four people. And it's just exponential. And, people start, you know, taking more penalties and yelling at the referees and then, you know, fighting with each other. And, um, but when you can just focus on, you know, the next 30 seconds and if you get a tap on the shoulder, what your job is, um, we, you know, were able to execute that to a T in that game. And I, I believe that was a big part of our success in that game. Um, and I think of other points in time and, and, you know, as an athlete, when things are going really well, it almost feels like time is going by slowly. Um, and to me, that's that feeling of being present versus when things aren't going well and you just like five minutes goes by when what it seems like 30 seconds. And, um, so finding a way to just, I don't know, reset your mind to really focus on the task, you know, immediately in front of you is, was a huge thing for me as an athlete and and something that, you know, I've, I've built into my character, I think, and, and something, of course, you know, there's days where it's like, gosh, I got to refocus here. But I think it's something that I, I think about a lot in my day-to-day life as well. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I have to imagine that winning that first gold medal in, in 2002 was was an incredible, incredible accomplishment. Like, what what is it like to represent Canada 
and win a gold medal. I mean, especially as a women's hockey player where that's kind of like the peak of, of your guys' profession to be able to, to win that gold medal in the Olympics. What did that mean to you and, and how amazing of a feeling was that? Especially, I think it's really cool for women's hockey too because you guys spend so much time together. You spend all year preparing mm-hmm. for that one tournament and that one game and, and all that. And when you guys finally had the chance to in going through adversity and how it all shook out and everything like that, what was that moment like for you? Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's hard to put into words, really. It's, um, you know, I always think of it as like a, a bag of emotions. You know, there's the obvious, the excitement, the happiness. Uh, there's almost a little bit of relief. You know, you, you <laughs> put in four years and, and you dream and, you know, you train thinking about that day that you're going to play for a gold medal. And, and when it's all over, it's kind of like, we did it. You know, it's like you can kind of let that weight down a little bit. Um, sometimes there's a bit of sadness that it's over. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of everything, but, um, you know, that to me was that first gold medal was certainly, you know, probably the highlight of my career. And I often get asked my favorite Olympics. And, um, you know, when I think back to that one, it was really just the idea that, you know, we, we felt, um, a little bit of redemption after losing in 98. Um, we felt like, you know, we could finally bring an Olympic gold medal to Canada. You know, it was the second, second Olympic Games. Um, a few days later, our men's team won for the first time in 52 years. And I think that 2002 was a real turning point for, you know, women's hockey in Canada. Um, you know, much like I think 98 was in the U.S. Um, when yeah. the U.S. won, I think there was a huge uptick in enrollment. And I think we saw, you know, the same sort of thing after we won in 2002. So, um, you know, it's just when when that happens, it's a moment, you know, in time where it seems like, everything's perfect. (laughs) That's not always the case, but it certainly feels like that for a few minutes. And uh, it's a pretty great feeling. Yeah, I can imagine so. And and what was the support like from the men's side? Because you know, I remember watching those games in Salt Lake City, and and you you know you look at when you guys were playing, they had the men in the sky boxes, just like absolutely cheering mm-hmm. their brains out. And and uh, same yeah. thing when they were playing, you guys were doing it too. What was that relationship like with the men's team? And you know they had obviously some pretty incredible players there. So what was mm-hmm. it? Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, our, our men's team have always been very supportive of, of our team and, and Hockey Canada usually, you know, does something to bring the teams together um, one or two times during the Olympic Games. And I mean, ultimately, when you get to that level, um, you know, you can really respect and appreciate the passion for the game that that anyone has, uh, regardless of male or female. And and similarly, when you get to the Olympics, you, you meet other athletes and you realize, you know, how similar you are and um, you know, the path that everyone has is a little bit different, but, um, you know, it's, it's such a unique journey. And, um, so we've always had a lot of great support from the men's team. And I think, you know, in, in some, in some ways we, we provide inspiration to them. We usually play before them, but, you know, I remember them, you know, that type of emotion filled game for them to see that and be there. And, you know, the Olympic games is something pretty powerful, regardless of the sport you're watching. And it really, um, it brings you back to being a fan, you know, even though you're, you're competing in a sport, when you get to watch one of your fellow athletes representing the same country, you become a fan like everyone else. And, um, so that support from the men's team is always, you know, important to us. 
Yeah, that's unreal. That's unreal. Jeff got to represent the U.S. at a tournament overseas. I was not as fortunate as you two guys. I was an alternate, so I wasn't able to do it. But uh, it is what it is. But you know, I think one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Jaina, Jeff and I talk about perspective all the time on this podcast, and perspective is one of those things that we feel like it feeds the soul and is something that's just really, really important. And for you, I have to imagine um, you have similar thoughts because you, you looked at your career of what you did on the ice. Obviously, it's absolutely incredible. But, you know, here you are, uh, you're able to uh, visit the troops in Afghanistan in 2012, get to go on a trip to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to go see the troops. You win the Diamond Jubilee Award for, for community service, which is an absolutely huge deal for those of you that don't know mm-hmm. or haven't heard what that is. I mean, there's probably no greater award to win. So mm-hmm. in terms of you having the the success that you had and, and just how important it is for you to give back, um, what, what's that like for you? How important is that to you? And then what was it like to, to visit the troops in Afghanistan in 2012? Was that, was that a pretty like life altering uh, type of trip as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, as a, I've always obviously believed that the game has, has provided so much for me and I, I feel so fortunate, um, you know, with the experiences I've had, the people I've met. Um, so the idea of being able to give back is just, it's, it's sort of part of the job. I think it's part of the responsibility as an athlete that, you know, you, you're supported for so long by so many people. And then when you have a chance to, whether it be inspire someone or, or just, you know, be a role model or, um, support some other cause that's important to people, you know, that's, that's the stuff that really, um, that really matters at the end of the day. Um, so certainly, you know, being recognized for, for giving back and being a part of the community is, is so important. Um, having a chance to visit our troops in Afghanistan was, you know, um, one of the greatest honors, um, you know, that I had in my career for sure. Um, and again, perspective, you know, you, you go over there and you see the way our troops are living day to day and, uh, you know, under the circumstances they're living and the, the tough jobs they're doing and the risks that they're taking and, um, uh, being away from their families and, and the thought that, you know, we can go over there and spend a day on the base and maybe play road hockey and that be a highlight for them is, you know, it's amazing. And, um, you know, you just, for me, it really opened my eyes and, um, you know, we're so thankful for everything that they do and something as simple as that, you know, brings a smile to their face. So, um, you know, so fortunate to get to see that firsthand and and really get to appreciate and and thank our troops, um, you know, in person while they're doing the job was, was pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we've had Kendall Coyne on the podcast. Uh, she was actually one of mm-hmm. our first guests, and she has a brother that's in the military. And so she mm-hmm. talks about how it, there's a little bit something extra when she puts the jersey on because she knows about mm-hmm. the people that are fighting for her that allows her to to wear that jersey. Um, now yeah. when you're representing Canada um, and, and all that you do um, – it, has it changed a little bit getting a chance to, to go over and see the troops and, and kind of be put in their shoes for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always, you know, sort of this weird dynamic and I think we're even seeing it now where, you know, sporting or athletes become heroes. And, um, but you look at what, you know, our doctors and nurses are doing now and, uh, you know, what, what our troops do, you know, year after year to continue to ensure our, our safety and freedom. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult 
to see athletes be looked up to and, and considered to be these, um, you know, beyond human heroes. But um, at the same time, I, I understand the role that, that athletes play. And I mean, it, it did to me as a young young Canadian girl that wanted to play the game to be able to look up to, to athletes as something special. But it certainly gives you a new appreciation um, when you get to see firsthand the work that some of these people do. And, and again, the risk they take and um, time away from their families. And it's, it's certainly not as glorious as what we get to do, um, but it's, you know, much more honorable. One of, one of the perspective tricks that I always would play on my mind before bag skates and juniors, because uh, 2011 happened at a you know, formative time for me. I was a sophomore in high school. And I would always say to myself, like, I could be in Afghanistan getting shot at. Like that was like, a, whenever I would get bag skate, like, this isn't going to be that bad. I will get through this. I could be in Afghanistan getting shot at. And that, cause like I'd play paintball like, like every year, you know, teams do team bonding and uh, yeah. paintball was a big one of them. And I was always like hiding in the corner, like thinking if these were real bullets, I would literally be soiling myself right now. <laughs> like military people are just the toughest of the tough and they deserve so much respect. And so like, mm. you know, whenever times are hard, I'm like, I could be in Afghanistan getting shot. I don't even know if there's a war going on in Afghanistan now, but I still say that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, it's a good uh, sense of perspective for sure. <laughs> Oh, you're a beauty, Jeff. Um, well, well, Dana, uh, um, moving along here, um, your professional hockey career is as decorated as anybody as I've ever seen. And there's been a lot of twists and turns, uh, with, you know, just women's hockey and professional hockey as a whole. Um, but you know, for someone that absolutely loved the game to be able to play professional hockey and, and make at least a little bit of money while doing it. Although you guys are fighting for some unbelievable things right now to, to make it even better. What, uh, what was your experience like playing professional hockey and, and how have you seen that change from when you first kind of started doing it to, to where professional hockey is now? Because I'm, it's gone mm-hmm. through quite a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is a great question because this leads into exactly what we're trying to to change, um, you know, the, the professional level. And I would, you know, preface that by saying you have to define professional because I don't know that we've ever had, um, you know, a league that could be considered professional. Um, and secondly, it hasn't changed a whole lot since, you know, I was playing, uh, you know, back in 2002 and, and that's the difficult thing that, that we're facing in our sport is that, Um, you know, we've seen a lot of different models of leagues. We've seen models that are, you know, not for profit models. We've seen private investor models. And, and over the course of my career with the national team, I played in three different, uh, quote unquote professional leagues. And, you know, they, they work for a while and then they, they fail. And this is what we're trying to change is that there's never been a true investment in the sport. And by that, I mean, you know, I don't think we can succeed up at a professional level without, you know, some serious infrastructure and resources already in place. Um, so we look at models like the WNBA and the NWSL, and they are aligned um, with established men's leagues because, uh, you know, building from foundation up is, is really difficult and we've been through it and it hasn't worked. And, and we know that, you know, the best opportunity for us to succeed would be to, work with an, a league that already has infrastructure and resources in place. Um, there's a lot of things that have never existed uh, for women's hockey players at the professional level. 
And those are things we're trying to change around, you know, medical coverage and healthcare and, you know, having uh, full-time uh, support staff, full-time coaches, access to daily training, strength and facility, strength and conditioning facilities. Um, these are all things that have never been a part of the women's professional game. Um, as I said, back in 2002, I was practicing two nights a week and playing on weekends. And that's exactly the same thing that, that happens today in professional leagues. So um, we haven't seen anything change. And, and that's the mission of the PWHPA is to say, you know, now's the time to step up. Now's the time to push for more um, and try to create some real change for the sport. Yeah, and you guys are doing such an amazing job, and, and you're so selfless in it too. Because we've had the chance to to speak to quite a few PWHPA members, and and the amazing those conversations is that you guys are sacrificing a little bit for yourself for the next generation of women coming up. And as mm-hmm. a person with two daughters that are under three years old, you know a lot of what you guys are standing up for right now, uh, hopefully and very well could and and will. Uh, have an effect on what my daughters will be able to do or not do in, in the next mm-hmm. generation. So we really appreciate that as a dad of, of, of girls. I really appreciate that. But talk to us a little bit about how you um, kind of became an ambassador and a consultant with the PWHPA because uh, you've been involved. You've been a big voice in women's hockey for some time now and, and obviously have a lot of respect in the game. So how did your role with the PWHPA come about and, uh, and how are you using that role to, to try and, I don't know if fix the problems is the right way to put it, but <laughs> certainly try to bring people together to, to do some good for the game. Yeah, well, I think, you know, as we talked in the beginning, this idea of the, you know, the passion I had for the game and, you know, whether I was playing or, you know, post-career, I still, I love the game. I want to see the game grow. Um, when I retired from the national program and actually prior to retiring, I was coaching a little bit at the University of Toronto on a part-time basis. And then I retired and then I coached full-time and I enjoyed it, but I still didn't feel like coaching was the role that I wanted in the game. And then, had a chance to work with the CWHL and the administrative leadership role and um, learned a ton in a short time there and, um, and certainly feel challenged by the business side of the game. So really enjoy that. Um, and when the PWHPA was formed, um, I wasn't involved in the very beginning. And uh, a few months later, um, the players, you know, came to me and, and asked if I would take on this leadership role with them. And I've always wanted to make the game better for the players. And that's, that's the reason I got, into a role with the CWHL. And, you know, I think that the players trust that I have their best interests um, in mind. Um, it's, it's really about making it better for them and also for the next generation. And, you know, to your point, uh, you know, I have daughters and um, I, I, I want them to be able to see females um, playing sports and maybe it's not hockey, but, I want them to see women playing soccer and women playing basketball. And, and when they do see that, they're going to realize that that's something that's okay for them to do too, if they love the sport. And, you know, as a young girl, I, I looked at the NHL players and, you know, I thought I would be in the NHL one day because that's what I saw. And that's what I saw as being realistic. And um, I think, you know, enough research has come out now that we can all agree that, um, you know, girls drop out of sport way too young and, you know, I think it's pretty clear they drop out because they don't see a realistic future in it. Um, so we're trying to change that. And, and to your point, these players, many of them in the primes of their career right now, Kendall Coyne and uh, Hillary Knight and Mary Philippe Foulen, and, um, you know, they are 
the best of the best. And um, they're not playing in a league right now because they want to leave the game better than they found it. And, you know, that's how I would describe what I'm trying to do as well is, you know, I, I want to leave the game better. I, I love it. And, and I want to see the next young girls, be it your daughters, my daughter, if they want to play the game, I, I hope they can have a dream to play the game as a professional. Uh, so, you know, I'm the day-to-day lead with the PA and I represent the players. Um, so we are, you know, c- constantly finding ways to drive awareness to this mission and, and trying to drive awareness to the need for a professional women's hockey league. Um, and in the meantime, try to provide opportunities for them to play the game. So we embarked on the dream gap tour last year, which was, uh, you know, pretty successful in our minds, but you know, we're looking to do it bigger and better this year and year two. So, uh, we'll continue to fight and stand up for what we believe in. And, and that's what, you know, impresses me so much about these, these athletes. Um, you know, they're willing to stand up and, and say the hard things and, and talk about that these women deserve more and, and the women of the future deserve more. So it's a, it's a powerful group to be a part of. And I think we all just have so much respect for one another and, and know that if we stick together and have a, a united voice, we can create some positive change. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure you see it going on your Dream Gap tour dates when you go around to these different spots, uh, you know, around the countries. And just to kind of see what's it like to see the young girls interact with the professional players of today? And Mm -hmm. just because I'm in total agreement and, and we've talked a lot about it, like if a big part of being able to attain a dream is to see somebody that looks like yourself in those, Mm -hmm. in those positions and in those roles. And so Mm -hmm. what's, what's that experience like kind of seeing the professional players of today and even for yourself to, to interact with some of these young girls and just to see how exciting it is for them. Yeah. I mean, the women who play the game are, you know, they, they understand they have such a big role in growing the game. So our athletes are more accessible probably than most athletes in any sport. Um, you know, they always come out and sign autographs after the game and have a chance to take photos with, with young girls and boys that come to the game. And um, that's such an important piece to this, um, that they, they can, that young girls can see themselves in someone. So um, it's incredibly important. And the Dream Gap Tour itself, uh, it was sort of, I was blown away, to be honest. The first event we had, and it was in Toronto and, you know, none of us knew what to expect. It, you know, it got thrown together pretty quickly and it ended up as a sold out event. So we were pretty excited about that. But the feeling in the building was unlike anything I had ever felt before. And obviously I've played in a lot of different environments and in front of massive crowds and <laughs> pretty passionate crowds. Uh, but this was, you know, at the end of the game and both teams lined up and, and they saluted the crowd and every person in the building stood up and was applauding and it was a moment of you know there were no teams it was like we are all here together to create something better and it was just this feeling that you know I know every all our players felt um the fans felt I felt and you know you see young girls with a sign and there was all kinds of signs with young girls saying you know thank you for standing up for me and when can I play professional hockey and those are the things that you know kept us going and um it's really, really powerful. And and I think from that point on, we realized that this is going to be something that's going to create momentum and and we're going to run with it. I'm getting chills. If I didn't didn't shave my arm hair, my arm hair would be standing on end right now. (laughs) That is is unbelievable. I want to go work out again now. (laughs) 
Oh, that's unreal. Well, that, oh, man, I can't, I can't even imagine. And like we've had the, the thing too about it is that I feel like hockey is a sport and we might've talked about this before, Jeff, but like hockey is a sport in general where if people don't know about it, but they show up and see a game, they're going to be like, wow, this is really awesome. But I feel like yeah. it even gets more amplified with women's hockey because I feel like people sometimes, and this happened when I played hockey at Cornell because we had awesome girls teams. Uh, when I was there, we had Rebecca Johnson and Laurie Rougeau and Brianne Jenner and Alyssa Gallardi, Laura Fortino, like all people that, you know, have played with on national teams, all this kind of stuff. And when people would come to the rink, they'd be like, holy crap, this is really good hockey. And yeah. you and, and we're like, yeah, duh. Like, so yeah, th- yeah. the more you can get people there, they understand how good of a product it is too. And, uh, mm. and, and that's an amazing thing. And that you even think about in Anaheim, how many people were at the, the Canada U S game in Anaheim, I think it was like 13, 14,000 people and a great game and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's just the fact you, once you get people there, they almost fall in love with it, male or female. Yeah. Yeah. The game, I mean, the women's game is fast and it's skilled and, you know, people have their preconceptions that, you know, because the women aren't as big or aren't as strong, um, that the game isn't as exciting, but, um, you know, we've never, we're, we're not, we're not in the business of, of trying to compete with men's hockey. You know, I, I love watching the NHL. I love watching women's hockey. And I think if you're a hockey fan, you can appreciate, um, you know, different styles of the game and, um, we believe that the product is just as entertaining and that's what people want is entertainment value. And, um, you know, our players are, are skilled and as fast as they come, they just may not be as big. <laughs> that's okay. It's so, it's so true though. Like I was, I had to be like, I don't know, maybe four year, four or five years into my pro career before I skated with Nicole Hensley that first time. And like, I was pretty good at scoring goals and I was literally having so much trouble scoring on her. And I was like, oh my god she is so good and then wound up training her later and she trains harder longer smarter than 99 percent of my my guys and and then we play in that charity game with with kendall and i was like oh my god like she is so good it is insane how good she is uh, people really need to, you go to a women's a high level women's game and you're definitely going to be hooked there is no doubt about it yeah yeah for sure Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jaina, your, your amazing career, uh, garnered you some pretty awesome accolades. And, uh, I, I was looking it up and I knew you were in the hockey hall of fame, but I didn't realize you were only the sixth women or sixth woman to ever be inducted into the hall of fame. And I think that's just absolutely crazy. Um, and, and hopefully there's a ton more to come at, at a lot quicker rate than now only having six. But, uh, what was that like to be inducted into the hockey hall of fame and the class that you went in with? I mean, what a class you're, you're talking about Gary yeah. Bettman. You're talking about Marty St. Louis, who was my hero growing up. Uh, you talk about Willie O'Ree and what he was able to do for the game of hockey and, and how important he was. Uh, Martin Brodeur. I mean, what a class to go in with and, and what did that mean to you to get inducted to the hockey hall of fame? And, and what was that experience like for you? I mean, it was amazing. Um, you know, again, one of, one of the greatest honors and one of, you know, one of those things you don't, you don't dream about, obviously, you know, you grow up dreaming about winning the Stanley cup or winning Olympic gold medals. And, um, you don't really think about that, but, um, you know, when it happens, um, gosh, it was just, uh, such an honor and, um, really it was just an amazing weekend to share with, you know, friends and family who had all been a part of the journey to get there. Um, Again, as you said, just an amazing class of people that represented 
so many good things about the game. Um, and just, you know, the, the inclusivity of, of bringing women into the mix, which has only been for a number of years, but again, you know, you get there and, and there's no difference. You realize that your paths are very similar and your passions are the same. And, um, so it was just, it, it was just an incredible, incredible experience that, uh, I'm so happy I could share, you know, with my friends and family and, and number of teammates that got to be there. And, and you can really appreciate all those people that, that were a big part of, of your career. And, and sometimes you, you don't get the time to, to recognize them, but that was certainly a weekend for me where I got to really, you know, appreciate all of them. Yeah, absolutely. And then the next year, uh, they just kept coming and you got, uh, you got named to the order of hockey in Canada. And for, for those of us in the States that aren't as familiar with the order of hockey, I mean, what an absolute honor to be involved in, in something like that. So, uh, if you can Mm -hmm. just tell our listeners a little bit about what the order of hockey in Canada is and and how cool of an honor that was to, to be bestowed upon you as well. Yeah. I mean, I think whether you're Canadian or not, you, you probably understand the importance of hockey to our country. And, and it's something that's really, um, it's a part of who we are. So getting to represent Canada is a huge honor, but um, the order of hockey in Canada is an, a, an award given out by hockey Canada to people who have made significant contributions to the sport in our country. And um, so m- beyond just, you know, on ice accomplishments, the recognition of being, you know, someone who's made the sport better in our country is again, a, a huge honor um, and being able to, you know, be in, recognized with people like Gordie Howe and um, Jean Bovo and Wayne who, who are those guys? Are those guys pretty good yeah, at hockey? Exactly. Did they do anything exactly. for the sport? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just, uh, again, just a great honor. And, and uh, it's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's so humbling because you, you know, you feel like the game has given you so much and then the recognition is sort of, it's amazing, but it's also so humbling because the, the game, the game is such a team sport. And, um, you know, I always just, I played cause I love the game and I wanted to represent my country and, you know, do all those good things. And then, you know, to be recognized for, for that is, is pretty special. Oh, so cool. So cool for sure. Well, you mentioned a lot of the people that kind of helped you along the way and, and we all need our support networks, uh, to be able, especially for people like yourself who, who get to the highest levels. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, so my wife, she didn't even know what like a blue line or a red line was when I met her, like totally oblivious <laughs> to hockey and just had no idea. Um, but you, for yourself, your partner, Kathleen, she was an Olympic athlete, Olympic goaltender for team USA as well. So I have to ask you, like, what is that like? to be in a household where you have two people that were able to play at the highest, like, are you guys just extremely competitive with each other? And it, <laughs> like, do the Scrabble games get like thrown across the room and stuff or like uh, for uh, on the funny side, but also were you guys able to kind of push yourselves, push each other because to be able to attain and get to those levels, it takes a lot of support, but also takes a lot of hard work and stuff like that. Were you guys able to push each mm-hmm. other to kind of get to your best as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, you, you know, you, you end up aligning with people that you have similar interests and similar goals to. And, you know, we ended up, uh, playing together, uh, on a pro team in Canada, um, post, uh, college. So, you know, we were actually teammates, um, you know, in training and, and, you know, you get in that environment where, yeah, you're training together, you're pushing each other, challenging people. And, um, definitely both competitive. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Um, <laughs> But I think there's, there's something, you know, pretty important about 
um, having people in your life that understand, you know, what you're going through and, and being an athlete at the highest level or even at a pro level takes a lot of understanding, you know, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough life. It's a selfish life at times. And it's a hard, you know, you go through those ups and downs and having someone with you to support you and understand those things is, is really valuable. For sure. And, uh, if, if for the people that are listening, if you haven't listened to Jaina on Connor Carrick's podcast yet, you should go listen to that. Cause you guys had an amazing discussion about just kind of like what the lifestyle of a high level athlete is like and how sometimes it can be lonely and sometimes you have to be selfish and, and having a person mm-hmm. that knows that and supports you is, is, is just so crucial to, to where you can end up being. So the fact that you were able to, to find that and have that is something that's, that's really, really special. And, uh, I would imagine that you guys, you know, you, you would do the same for, for Kathleen as well. And, and, um, you know, she's had some pretty big roles in hockey too. So, you know, as a partner, is that something you're really proud of her of what she's been able to accomplish too? Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you know, you'd like to thank you. You're with good people. And I think we both, you know, are passionate about sport, but we're also passionate about being good citizens and, and giving back and being good parents and, and teaching our kids you know, all the great values we, we learned through sports. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, very proud and, um, you know, we're, we're lucky to, to be able to have the experiences we've had and and the successes we've had. And, you know, again, I, I believe sport is such a great way to learn, um, you know, these intangible skills that, you know, not everyone gets to learn and, and through sport, we get to find them generally. And, you know, so to be able to now, you know, try to, instill those in your own children is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I can imagine. So, and, uh, you know, being a mom now, um, you know, I, I look at my wife as, as a mom and, and now, you know, I look at my mom so much differently now that we have kids and stuff and, you know, being a mom is, is one of the coolest thing, or it has to be, I'm not a mom, so I wouldn't know, but it has to be (laughs) one of the most rewarding, crazy, hard, (laughs) <laughs> like there's so many different ways that you can describe it, I'm sure. Um, yeah. but what, uh, what has being a mom meant to you and, and watching your kids grow up and, and knowing what you've learned through this game of hockey, like what are some things, you know, as you're, as you're bringing your kids through, um, that you get, I think are going to be really important to them uh, as a mom. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, first of all, yeah, being the mom, a mom is, you know, the most amazing thing you can do in life. And in my opinion, and, um, it's just, uh, you know, it changes everything, you know, your, your life is no longer your own. It's, it's about, you know, supporting them and and encouraging them and raising them and hoping, you know, to help them find their way. Um, so I think, you know, what I want is, is for them to find something they're really passionate about. Um, you know, what I've learned through my career, I, I will try to never limit, you know, what they want to do, what they want to dream of. I want them to dream big. I I want them to, you know, find something they love and work hard for it. Um, And, you know, even, even today, when I think about, you know, we all, we all work a lot, work hard and, and I want them to see that, that I do those things. You know, I, I, I do something I enjoy every day, but I work hard at it. And that's certainly something that, you know, I've learned through sport. Um, you know, uh, learn these skills around, you know, when things get tough, you gotta, you gotta bear down, you gotta find your way through them. Um, there's so much we learn about commitment, about dedication, about being part of a team, 
Um, you know, it sort of goes on and on, but as much as I've learned all those, I also want them to learn them for themselves. You know, those aren't things you can just tell them about. Um, you know, well, maybe I'll tell them about, but they gotta, they gotta <laughs> live them. They gotta learn them, you know? And so I want to, I want to provide them opportunities to learn those things. Um, and, uh, you know, again, let them, let them dream their dream, you know, not mine. And, and going into that even deeper, it's something that Tof and I talk about a lot is it seems like some parents, uh, in the last, yeah, since we've got into coaching, like they're afraid to let their kids fail. And both Tof and I have talked about that, like some of the things that helped us and propelled us forward into our hockey careers more than anything else was either failing or like having something, you know, quote unquote negative happen to us, injuries, things mm-hmm. like that. Is it going to be hard yeah. for you to let them fail and, and learn from their failures? Oh, it's so hard. It's, it's so hard. You know, you, we all want to just protect our kids and, you know, you don't want to ever see them be sad or, or be hurt. And, um, you know, I think that's incredibly, incredibly hard to do. Um, but, you know, you, you have those moments where you do realize those things and you think back to when you went through those things. And, and that is when we grow and it's when we learn about ourselves. So, um, you know, I, I can say, I don't think I'm great at that yet, but <laughs> it's uh, things I've, I've thought about and I know it's only going to get harder as they get older. So um, I, I, I do believe that though, that they do need to, to go through those difficult times. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that you said too, Jaina, that, that really resonates with me is like, I look back to my childhood and, uh, you know, that my mom was a hardworking, just caring, just badass career woman. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, that's how my wife is as, as well. And I almost look back now and, and I think about as a kid, how like she was just mom you know, she was just mom and you don't understand or recognize all the great things that they're doing at the time because as kids, sometimes we're, we're in our own world, maybe a little bit selfish, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah. I talk to my sister about this all the time and, and my sister attributes a lot of her success. She's a special education teacher, but she's doing amazing things and, and making a huge difference in this world. And, uh, she attributes a lot of just like watching our mom and watching her mm-hmm. just be a badass career woman and all that kind of stuff. And is that something like, you know, you guys are doing such an amazing job of that for all of the girls in the U.S. and Canada and around the world with what you guys are able to accomplish and what you're doing right now with the PWHPA. But is that something that you're trying to accomplish as a mom to just live this incredible service filled, just meaningful life? And then your kids at some point are going to be like, wow, like my mom's my mom's unreal. <laughs> she was a great well, example, know. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hope one day they might say that, but you know, like I said, what I want them to think is that, you know, I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do and I work hard at it. Um, and you know, that's, if, if they know that, then they'll know that that's, that's what I want to see them do, you know, whatever, the, whatever they feel passionate about and, and, and they want to work towards, that's awesome. You know, and, and so I hope that that's what they see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, thank you so much, Jana, for coming on and doing this with us. I mean, your perspective on the women's game and your career, um, you know, we've had a lot of people ask us to have more women on the podcast and, and, uh, we haven't done a fantastic job of that, but we, uh, we so appreciate getting somebody like yourself with the message that you have and all the work that you've put into, to growing the game of women's hockey, but not just women's hockey, growing the game of hockey as a whole. You've been such a great ambassador Mm -hmm. for the sport and, uh, we can't thank you enough for, for coming 
coming on and, and sharing your journey with us. And uh, if there's anything that we can do to continue to help promote the PWHPA and your guys' mission of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish, let us know. We'll, we'll be there on the front lines. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate chatting with you guys. And, you know, men in the game are, are our biggest allies. And so, you know, anytime you have a chance to talk women's hockey, it's, it's awesome for us. And, um, you know, anytime you want to have a PWHPA member, just let me know and then we'll make sure we get one for you. But <laughs> really appreciate you guys, uh, you guys bringing some women on this week and, and talking about the game. Yeah, you bet. Well, thanks again and uh, best of luck moving forward. And uh, hopefully we can talk to you again at some point soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Bye-bye.